Welcome to BDO Talks ERISA, a monthly podcast from BDO's ERISA Center of Excellence. Each month, we will be talking best practices around all things ERISA, how to avoid common compliance issues, how to navigate the tricky ins and outs of ERISA's fiduciary provisions, and discussing our own experiences working for BDO's ERISA Services Group and the insights we share through the ERISA Center of Excellence. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes or Spotify. Let's get started. Welcome to another podcast for BDO Talks ERISA. I'm Beth Garner, National Practice Leader for our Employee Benefit Plan Group and a partner at BDO. We are so excited to have you uh, join us today. This podcast is an extension of the services that we offer through our BDO's ERISA Center of Excellence. We developed the podcast to expand on topics and issues that we bring to you through our social media posting on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook, and of course, our quarterly ERISA Roundup. You know, our goal of the Center of Excellence is truly to help any plan sponsor and anyone charged with the governance of their retirement plan with up-to-date information on, you know, what's going on in the industry. We know these professionals wear many hats within their organization, and our Center of Excellence can be a place to quickly get up-to-date information to help them with their responsibilities. Joining me today on the podcast is one of my excellent co-hosts, Joanne Zupka. Why, thank you, Beth. I'm excited to be here today. And this is a topic that I am uh, very much interested in because I also um, wear a fiduciary responsibility hat as I am a trustee for a local pension plan where I live outside Philadelphia. Awesome. So, yes, this is a hot topic in the investment world. And so with us today, we have Michael Lynch, and he is a director in our BDO Wealth Advisory um, arm. And he's been with BDO for two years. He has served in the investment and securities industry for many years. He's written articles that were published in the Wall Street Journal, Journal of Wealth Management, just to name a couple. There are many more. Um, Michael, please introduce yourself. Include anything extra that you would like. And a rule that we have, you must tell us something personal about yourself. Well, thank you for having me here today. I, I really appreciate it. The The, the background is, is very good in terms of... Um, you know, where I came from. And I started the industry with a fellow named Marty Zweig, who was a rock star in the investment world back in the late 90s. And then I worked with a, a tax arbitrage firm for a number of years. And now I'm the chairman of the uh, BDO Investment Committee. Uh, we oversee about $2 billion of assets. Have a lot of familiarity with um, one of the topics we're going to talk about today, and also how to serve, uh, you know, an effective manner as a fiduciary. And I guess my my fun fact is that I'm probably the one person in the BDO global footprint that still wears a shirt and tie uh, to my home office every day. It, for me, it's sort of like when you're playing in a game, you gotta you gotta dress for the game that you're playing in. And um, I I still do believe in wearing a shirt and tie. And you know, if you can believe it, cufflinks on a daily basis. And um, that is my my fun fact, and it it makes you memorable. Uh, on these video conference calls. Well, I'm sure that your local cleaners absolutely ridiculously <laughs> appreciates it because you're helping them stay in business during COVID. 
Well, it's exciting. They're back up to about 60% uh, capacity. So I talked to them. So <laughs> I must not be the only one still wearing a shirt and tie. Exactly. My husband is. Don't worry. He went to court today. Okay. So, yes, there, there are some people still in white shirts. So Beth just shared another fun fact. Her husband went to court today. He's a lawyer. <laughs> yeah, shockingly enough. And yeah, he didn't go to court. To, yeah, I guess I should tell you that, that it wasn't like he was the, you know, the defendant. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, let's okay. be clear. <laughs> so we've talked a lot today about what the topic is, but I don't think we've ever announced to our audience what the topic actually is. And so it's investing in ESGs. And as I had shared, I'm actually a fiduciary of a local pension plan. And I know having to deal with fiduciary responsibility, there's so much regulation that's going on out there. So I'm going to take a step back real quick and just kind of give you a little overview of what's going on. Um, there was a final rule on financial factors in selecting plan investments that was released by the DOL in late October of 2020. The rule actually took effect January 12th of 2021. Now, what was interesting about this rule was that it codified fiduciary standards for selecting and monitoring investments and provides clear regulatory guideposts for fiduciaries of private sector retirements and other EBPs in light of the recent trends in ESG, which is environmental, social, and governance investing. However, as we're seeing with everything in the world, um, we have a new administration and the Biden administration has said, well, let's take a step back and that rule is going to be reviewed. So I think it leaves a lot of the fiduciaries going, okay, do I follow the rule? Do I don't follow the rule? Okay, wait a minute. What is ESG? So with that, I think we'll turn it over to Michael to maybe help us out. Thank you. And it, it certainly is a hot topic, uh, not only in the ERISA world, but in the overall investment community. And the enactment in, in 2021, the legislation really was written to try and clear up some of the confusion of what a fiduciary's requirement was in terms of including ESG investing in portfolio investment options and what was the standard for plan sponsors. Uh, like many of these uh, regulations that come out, it seemed to only confuse matters, lessen to uh, sort of clear the picture for ERISA plan sponsors. And the Biden administration is reviewing uh, and they announced that, I believe, this week that they're going to review the plan uh, regulations. And, you know, ESG is something that is important, not only on a corporate level, but also to the individual participants of the various plans. And, and ESG has expanded um, dramatically, not only in terms of the amount of funds that are involved in ESG investing, uh, but also if you look at it, if you look at a, a recent survey by Cowan, 56% of plan participants in this report discussed that it is very important to have ESG alternatives available to them. And also plan sponsors in the same, same survey, 42% said it was very important and they do consider, I'm sorry, excuse me, 56% do include and incorporate ESG investing um, in the plan options available to their participants. And ESG is really what it's trying to do is bring social governance to the investing world and helping people and providing for various options that not only allow them to make money in investing and make investments and grow their assets for retirement, but also to put their core values into play. 
And this is coming from the ground up. This is coming from the plan participants and outside of plans, investors themselves looking for opportunities to invest in causes that they believe in. The universe uh, of these available investments has grown dramatically, um, increased by about $7 trillion over the last two years. Um, that's all available options. That growth rate is about 45% over the last two years, according to the recent Callan survey. So the growth in this area is exponential. And really what it comes down to is how are the investment managers themselves, how are they screening for available investments to allocate their plan participants' money to invest in what's known as environmental causes, social causes, and governance, um, how to put those causes to, to work, and the question becomes, what is the actual process uh, for allocating those dollars? What are the rules behind it? What are the best practices and what are the policies that these ESG managers need to adhere to? Now, along those lines, I mean, wow, you said trillion with a T. Whole, I mean, that that's tremendous. But is it really only ESG? I mean, it sounds like the word on word on the street and in some articles that there might be an additional, you know, acronym behind that ESG. The the concept of inclusion has been is been brought up recently in various publications. Um, this would bring it to ESGI. This is a topic that is being debated. The question is, does the inclusion get covered under social or not? Uh, but it, it it's getting to the greater point of. How do you how how do you provide investment options to plan sponsors that meet the causes that are important to the plan participants? The U.S. has really grown the ESG footprint. Europe has been the leader. Um, Europe, through both hard and soft regulations and laws, is really at the forefront of ESG investing. Emerging markets, companies like China, this is growing exponentially over there as well. Um, one. You have ESG managers that screen out for companies that they don't want to have exposure to certain things like uh, companies that increase the carbon footprint, but also in the emerging market, the managers that invest in that space are looking for investment opportunities that expand the beliefs of ESG investing. So really what it is, is people not only want to make money in investing, but they want to put their money to work in causes that are going to be representative of their core values, core beliefs. And the question really becomes, how does the manager not just have window dressing that says they're ESG investors? What is it that investor needs to know about investment manager, the type of investment managers that are available in the various plan sponsors? What is it go, what, what is required to go beyond the window dressing of saying we're an ESG sensitive manager? And this is very similar, if you think it through, very similar to another asset class, um, something like infrastructure investing in the U.S. A lot of managers will say they're infrastructure investors, meaning that they're buying and investing in causes that increase, say, things like highway safety, building new roads and new tolls. But infrastructure has become a hot topic. A lot of investors are seeking it out. So a lot of U.S. large cap value managers that happen to invest in infrastructure as one of their investments now relabel themselves as infrastructure. They get caught up in all of the searches for infrastructure type investments. 
And now through a backdoor method, they're increasing portfolio assets. In the regulations that were put in place uh, under the Trump administration and the guidance that's under review now with Biden, that's that's what you know the Trump administration was trying to get to the bottom of. What is the fiduciary's requirement in terms of adding ESG investments to the plan sponsor? One, how are they actually allocating it? What are they screening for? There's a lot of gray area of exactly what is ESG investing and what does it mean to be an ESG investor on behalf of shareholders? And the question becomes, what policies and procedures need to be in place to say you're really following through on this investment policy statement if you say that's what your portfolio is garnered to? The concern is people do window investment managers provide window dressing and they're simply changing the name or adding a tagline that they're ESG investors. What does it really mean to be an ESG manager? So, Michael, we've talked a lot about kind of the investment managers and getting these investments maybe into the plan. Clearly, um, when I think retirement plans, I go two different paths, right? You've got a defined contribution where the plan sponsor is giving investment options and the participant can decide what percentage they want to invest in, or you have like a defined benefit, a pension plan, and clearly um, those charged with governance and have the fiduciary responsibility need to look at the plan's objective and then potentially also their funding policy. Um, if they have a, is, do you happen to see ESG um, being more popular in one type of retirement plan, whether it be defined contribution or defined benefit? I think I think you I think it's it's fairly equal. I, th I think you have anything with endowments especially university endowments. There's more of a push from obviously a younger active participant base at the universities that are really pushing for the endowments to move away from fossil fuels. Uh, this is very, you know, this has been a big topic at Yale University for years now. Uh, but I think it's equal and, and I don't think it's just limited to the defined contribution and defined benefit. Um, it's really across the board where ESG is really a wave uh, that's spreading as you know, the baby boomers age, a, a great transition of intergenerational wealth is going from one generation to the next. And what was important to the parents' generation um, may not necessarily be the same for the younger generation. And there, there is really a push to have, you know, their, their core values expressed in their investment dollars. And, and you know, tying this into a topical area, it's, it's very similar to things like what you're seeing with GameStop right now. Where, and, and one of the concerns with ESG investing is, is it becoming a crowding trade? Are the portfolio investments being pushed higher because so much demand is being placed on uh, investment options? There's not a huge pool of investment options available to the retail investor. The question becomes, not only are these investment managers making great investments, are they sticking true to their discipline, but also is it becoming a crowded trade and are, are they investing too much in the same type of securities? Um, and that that's why it becomes very important for plan sponsors, regardless if it's a divine benefit or defined contribution plan, with the plans, with the investments made and with the allocations provided to, to participants, how can you ensure or what is the priority of do you want a manager that specializes in ESG and makes investments, or do you want a great investment manager that plays in the ESG space? Uh, in our opinion, you should really have both. That if there's a if there's a demand for ESG investing, 
First, you should look at the managers, people, the people managing the portfolio, the process, how they're managing the money, and then the performance, and how are they allocating the investment dollars trusted to them. And if you do want that manager to have in their investment policy statement that they're ESG sensitive, how are they actually implementing that? Is the, is the fund manager themselves, are they doing the screening for ESG type companies? Are they outsourcing that to a third party? If they are outsourcing it to a third party, how are they doing the screening? What is the policy for selecting ESG investments? And how does it go beyond just window dressing of saying that you're an ESG investor? And that's where a lot of the requirements as a fiduciary comes in of making sure that the managers that are being allocated ESG type dollars, that the managers actually not only performing on an investment perspective, but also that they're sticking true to the requirement of allocating the money according to the, the client's core beliefs that are described in the investment policy statement. And we're going to see uh, more changes kind of like it, those charts, the governance that they have an investment committee. You uh, were mentioning the baby boomers, right? We've got five generations of different workforces in companies right now. And so as people are retiring in the younger generation, whether it be um, Generation Z or millennials or whoever it may be, I think you're going to see a change in kind of the philosophy with those investment policies. So interesting to hear that fact. And I do find it interesting that our, you know, previous podcast that, you know, we really talked about generations and what they stand for and communication styles and what kind of changes we are going to see in this industry based on who, you know, is in the workforce. And, you know, as you said, as as the baby boomers retire, we're going to see some changes happen. And so um, along those lines, are you seeing where there are certain regions uh, of, you know, the United States where you see more uh, investments in Northeast, the West? Are you, are you seeing it um, where they're investing more by not, you know, let's not talk about industry or plans, but, you know, strictly by regions of the United States? Yeah, a lot of the ESG investing blossomed in the Midwest, in the Denver, Colorado type area, spread quickly out to California. Now it's it's out in New York, um, but it's a generational thing, and it's it's sweeping across the investment mandates, um, you know, across the country. And again, the U.S. is a little bit behind Europe right now um, in this progress. I, I think with um, the Biden administration coming in, they have a real focus on um, uh, enhancing and improving um, the social conscience. And I think you, and without being political, uh, but you do see a lot more ESG investing going on. And um, it's it's across the whole country at this point, but it really did start on the West Coast, went to the East Coast, and now is spreading towards the middle. Um, and, and investment managers, and when I say investment managers, I mean mutual funds, mm -hmm. uh, you see it in their marketing now. A lot of these companies really lead with and really instill how ESG is important to their investment process. So you see it from investment managers like mutual funds, um, and you also see it from investment advisors. Uh, investment advisors now, um, to stay current with their client base, you are seeing ESG being offered and being part of the core competency, the core investment process of the investment manager themselves. Um, so this is this is a global shift um, and it's incorporating really every aspect of the 
investment community from investment managers instilling ESG, investment advisors incorporating ESG and how they select investment managers, and also all the way down at the end level, you're seeing the companies themselves that are purchased by the investment managers, that are purchased by the investment advisors, even there, and, and you see it in, in a lot of commercials and a lot of marketing efforts, the companies themselves are instilling ESG type principles as part of their core offering. So it's, it is a global dynamic shift and it's a very important for plan sponsors to stay in front of it. Well, I'm, I do have to say, I think it's going to be extremely interesting to see how, you know, we as the United States change and, you know, really start looking and buying these investments and, and in essence, meet the request of the plan participants. I mean, you obviously have said, you know, trillions available, participants want it. Um, I do think that, you know, plan sponsors are going to have to really pay attention to that investment policy. We know that, you know, there has been litigation in the investment area. So, you know, staying you know, measured between getting the ESG investments and li- trying to stay where you close up your documentation and make sure that you've really stayed within, you know, your guidelines is going to be very important. So, man, thank you so much for well, joining us today. Yeah, it was very enlightening. I, I yes. think that there's a lot of questions that were posed out there that we're going to have to see um, plan sponsors and those charged with governance really take a look at um, in 2021. Oh, well, thank you very much for having me. I enjoyed the conversation. Well, um, thank you once again. Um, for anybody who would um, has any feedback on this podcast, this episode, um, or wants to send us a topic that they would like to hear more about, you can reach us at our email address, bdotalksarissa at bdo.com. And it's Talks, T-A-L-K-S. And we look forward to seeing you on future episodes. And our BDO ERISA Center of Excellence on BDO.com touches all topics, retirement, and other HR trends to keep plan sponsors up to date. Feel free to go and visit our page. Thank you for listening to BDO Talks ERISA. Past episodes are available at BDO.com slash BDO Talks ERISA. Or you can go to iTunes or Spotify to rate, review, and subscribe. You can also send us feedback, questions, or ideas you have for future topics at BDOTalksarissa at BDO.com. The views expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect the views of BDO. For more information on BDO's ERISA Center of Excellence and the services we provide, visit BDO.com slash ERISA.